as I said last week, we looked at the visions that are recorded in the 14th chapter of the book of Revelation. It was the last two of those visions that we examined and kind of gave us an overview of what we have in the end times in that tribulational period. And of course, like the rest of Revelation is not written in chronological order, we get uh, some information and then we come back in later chapters and put in a little more detail about that. And so uh, the seven visions gave us that overview or an outline of the tribulational period. What we discover in the tribulational period is the judgment of God. And there are three judgments that are recorded in the book of Revelation and they are recorded in sets of seven. So we have seven judgments, then we have seven judgments, and then we have seven judgments. The first seven judgments are revealed to us in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 and uh, They're introduced through the seven-sealed scroll book. And then we have seven trumpet judgments that were introduced to us in Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. And then on the seventh trumpet, we're introduced to the seven vile or bold judgments that are introduced in chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. So we've gone back and done an overview panoramic scan uh, in chapter 14, and now we're picking up again with uh, the opening of these bowls or vials to be poured out upon the earth. Now an outline for the vial, or and, and that word vial, uh, could be translated bowl. Uh, it uh, reveals God's wrath as it is going to be poured out upon the earth during the tribulational period. And chapter 15 introduces that to us today. And then chapter 16 continues that and gives us additional information. So, Today we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. And uh, the first four verses of this 15th chapter are actually a prelude to the judgments, the bowls of wrath or the vials that are going to be poured out. We have then in verses 5 through 8, we have the preparation for the vile judgments. So we don't actually get to the judgments themselves until Revelation chapter 16, verses 1 through 12. And uh, the pouring out occurs in that section. And then Revelation 16, verses 13 and 14, we have the purpose explained for the vile judgments. And then we have a parenthetical warning that is inserted in chapter 16, verse 15, and then in verses 16 through 21 of chapter 16, we have the perfecting of the vials. Now, 
we will then, each of these, we, we've had six seals broken and then information before we went to the seventh seal. Uh, then we had six trumpet judgments and, uh, then before the seventh trumpet sounded, we went back and had some information. So with the bowls of wrath, we're going to see that same pattern where we are presented with the six bowls and then other additional information that is supplied. So as we move through these two chapters, we're giving once again information, and then as we follow through with that, through the rest of the book, we'll be dealing with details that are going to occur that have been identified here. So look with me at Revelation chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. John says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them... Uh, that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art, thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. So he begins in chapter 15 with verse 1 saying, I saw another sign in heaven a great and marvelous sign, and this sign contained seven angels. And the seven angels had the seven last plagues for then the fulfillment of the fullness of God's wrath being poured out before the second advent occurs. In Revelation Back chapter 10, verse 7, it was stated, at that time, the mystery of God is finished. But we weren't given any details. And so now in chapters 15 and 16, we are going to be introduced to these fearful judgments called plagues that appears here as a sign in heaven and it's characterized by great and marvelous. Now, we tend to think of the words great and marvelous uh, referring to a positive side, but this is negative. And this uh, section is very negative because it contains the judgments of God as he's going to exert all of his wrath upon that period of evaluation and judgment, and we'll see how it all fits together then as we follow through in our study. So, 
in chapter 12, uh, we saw two signs that were given. A woman was clothed with the sun, and we were able to identify that woman as the nation of Israel. And then a great red dragon that is identified then as Satan. So here in chapter 15, we're introduced to yet another sign, a sign that is great and marvelous. And as I said, those terms uh, so frequently in our language uh, refer to something on the positive nature when we talk about it being great and marvelous, but this is negative as it talks about the awesomeness of the plagues that are about to be delivered. The uh, sign then represents the seven final plagues that God is going to bring upon the earth before his second advent to establish the millennial kingdom. The word seven is used eight times in this chapter that has eight verses. It's symbolic, of course, as the sacred number of completion, the number seven, and uh, we are seeing the completeness of God's judgment as it is brought upon uh, the world and the completion of the age of Israel before we move into that final stage, before the earth is dissolved, that final stage of a millennial reign of a thousand years. This, the cups, so the vials that are identified here are full of God's wrath and uh, they are going to drink from that cup we mentioned last week concerning the, the cup of God's wrath that for those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are told that Christ drank for us God's cup of wrath. He had to drink that cup uh, on our behalf, but for those who do not receive Him and do not accept the grace plan of God, then they must drink the wrath of God. So there are seven angels that are associated with these seven plagues. We're not really given any identity uh, about who these angels are, we would remind you that the the word uh, angel uh, comes from the Greek word angelos, and uh, sometimes it's translated into uh, our Bible, uh, but most frequently it's transliterated into our Bible. Translation would be to give us an equivalent in the English and the equivalent for angelos would be messenger. But but many times, they don't translate it. They simply bring the word angelos into English with angel. And we're left to wonder whether it's a celestial messenger or whether it's a terrestrial messenger. Uh, there are some that speculate that these seven angels may be uh, a reference to the seven angels to the seven churches. Uh, I don't buy into that very well. They cite 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, 
Do you not know that the saints will judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life. Uh, There's no connection, however, between the church, the angels to the churches, which uh, we once again could identify either as the pastors of the churches, uh, they are the messengers to the churches, or whether they were uh, celestial angels that were actually sent uh, is not identified for us. But we're dealing in this seven-year period, remember, with the finalization of the age of Israel. And so to try to bring the church into it uh, seems a little out of character uh, with that. Uh, we don't have anything that would really establish that connection. So we are not given any further detail about them. Now, the judgment of however that is spoken of here is well represented throughout the Word of God. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8, We have therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Does sound great and awesome in a negative sense. The long suffering of God will have finally reached uh, its end and its fulfillment then will come as these judgments are poured out. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So, of course, that's at the end of the millennial reign. And we have the judgment of God coming at the second advent of Christ, and then the millennial reign, and then the total uh, dissolving of this heaven and this earth, and a new heaven and a new earth coming into existence. So during this period of tribulation, God's indignation has climaxed uh, and he has poured out his wrath upon the earth. John sees in this vision that's occurring a sea that he describes to be, appears to be glassy and mingled with fire. In verse 2 he said, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Before judgment falls, John sees then a victory 
with those that have gained victory over the beast. And as we read last week and studied uh, in our study of last week, uh, the, the primary means of victory over the beast is physical death. To get out of that torment and that struggle. And uh, so we have here a reference to those that have gained the victory over the beast. And uh, they have, the, the 13th chapter revealed that they have triumphed over the beast. They paid the supreme price with their own physical death. And they are seen then standing on the sea of glass that appears like a sea of glass, like unto crystal. Uh, and then he adds uh, uh, that that term, uh, not only uh, was did it appear to be a, a crystal glass, but it was mingled with fire. And we will recall that every time we have the word fire in Scripture, it is a reference to the judgment of God. So these are those uh, who have come out of that judging period, uh, and they uh, are they have been given harps to accompany their praise to God for their deliverance. Now John mentioned a sea like this back in Revelation chapter four. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in both of the passages, the Greek is the same, as it were a sea glassy. So we identify the use of that term with fire as well. Now the view here is that these that are singing and and have their harps from God, that they are... Uh, they came out of this judgment. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, Paul wrote, For we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity that is the love of every one of you uh, all toward each other abound us so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all others that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Peter again writes, 
but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire the day, unto the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. And this is the question for us. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So Paul, giving information to the Thessalonians, goes beyond the tribulation, beyond the millennium, and incorporates the final wrath of God as this earth is destroyed in its present form. John says that he saw a great host of people and they were standing on the sea that was like glass mingled with fire. And uh, from the information that we have, we're able to conclude that these are tribulational saints, those who have died during the tribulation in Christ says, because it describes them as them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, and they were standing on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Now, the statement is that they have the harps of God, an instrument that is only used in Scripture in praise. The trumpet is used uh, in a variety of, of emphases, but the harp is always used only in a time of praise. And they are uh, praising God because they have gained the victory through the blood of the Lamb. They had gained victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name, and they were glorifying God as John views them. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So the theme of the harping is the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Now, there is a commonality, apparently, that's identified here. They both, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, celebrate redemption and deliverance. Of course, in the first case with Israel, 
in the Song of Moses, it was deliverance from Egyptian bondage to the Promised Land. But the Song of the Lamb is redemption spiritually, the new birth that we have, the eternal life that we secure in Him. They sing the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. Now, uh, in writing about that, the, the song that they were singing, uh, they were saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of the saints. Uh, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For only thou art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are made manifest. Now the Song of Moses is recorded in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy in chapter 31, verse 30 through chapter 32, verse 47. And uh, I have put that text in uh, your study guide today. It says, Moses spake in the ears of the congregation of Israel the words of the song until they were ended. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the wrath of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herbs, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of their children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus respite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not He thy Father that hath brought thee, and, uh, excuse me, that hath bought thee, and he made, uh, and not made thee, and established thee. He's the one that bought you and made you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they shall tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nation their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Abram, when he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert and in a waste, a howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle, Stirreth up her nest, and fluttereth her wings, and spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride upon the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams 
of the breed Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys uh, of wheat, and thou hast uh, thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshua waxed fat and kicked. Then thou art waxen fat. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God and made him, the, the God that made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with ad, uh, abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your father feared, fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee art mindful and have forgotten God that formed thee, And when God saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sins, uh, of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a froward generation, children in whom is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not, uh, not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation, for a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn under the lowest hell, and shall continue and consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon thee. I will spend, send my arrows upon thee. Thou shalt be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of the serpents of the dust. The sword without and terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgins, the suckling also, and the man of gray hairs. I said, I would scatter them into the corners. I would make the remembrance of them to come from among men, or to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adventures should behave themselves strangely, and they should say, their adversaries rather should uh, behave themselves strangely, unless they should say, "On our hand is high, and the Lord hath not done all of this, for they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they understood this and that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had said unto them, and the Lord uh, had sold them, and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock is not the rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. 
for their vine is the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are the grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store for me, sealed up among my treasures? To whom belongeth vengeance and recompense? Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and all the things which shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself from his servants when he seeth that their power is gone and that that there is none shut up or left. He shall say, Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted, which did eat of the fat of the sacrifices and drink of the vine of their drink? Uh, their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be our protection. Oh, see now that I, even I am He, and there is no God with me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. Another, uh, neither is there any other that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword, and my hand shall take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies, and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants, and he will render vengeance to his adversaries, and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And Moses came and spake, all the words of the saying in the ears, uh, the hearing of the ears of the people. And Hoshen, the son of Nun, who is Joshua Hoshea. A long song taught to them as they were preparing to go into the promised land of God's blessing, but also of God's judgment. And here in Revelation 15 then, they are singing the song, those who have overcome and are standing on the sea of glass are singing the song of Moses as they are heralding the judgments that are coming upon the earth. In Verses 5 through 8 then of this 15th chapter, we are given some instruction concerning the preparation for the vengeance of the vile judgments. John said, And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open, 
and the seven angels came out of the temple having seven plagues that were they were clothed with pure and white linen and having their breasts girded about with golden girdles and one of the four, and one of the four beasts remember the we have identified them as living creatures gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of wrath of God, the God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke of the glory of God and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So John says, after seeing these standing on the sea of glass and harping and singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, he now says, After that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. The temple of the tabernacle is the holy of holies in first the uh the, the temple as God established it, uh, as you went into the temple, uh, you had the holy place and you had the most holy place or that which is identified as the holy of holies. And uh, it is identified as a symbol of the place where God dwelled. When they built the tabernacle, uh, the Spirit of God became visible and moved into the holy of holies and Later when they built the temple itself, when Solomon built that, the Spirit of God was seen moving into the Holy of Holies. And uh, that's the tabernacle of the uh, temple of the tabernacle is referenced then to the Holy of Holies. Now, the high priest alone was the only person allowed to go into that Holy of Holies, and he could go in once a year with the blood of atonement and sprinkle it upon the altar and uh, there in the Holy of Holies as a reminder to them of the grace of God that would be provided through the coming Messiah. When Christ died on the cross, you remember that as he declared uh, and dismissed his spirit into the presence of the Father, that a great earthquake came. And the veil in the temple that separated the holy place from the holy of holies was ripped from the top to the bottom and cast open. Now man had direct access to God. No longer do we have to go through a high priest because Christ became our high priest. And once and for all, with his own blood, he paid the price on our behalf. And so here we see a reference to that and the documentation of that being ripped from the top to the bottom is found in Matthew 27, verse 51. Now what John sees then, seven angels with seven 
vials, and the vials contain the seven final plagues that are going to come before the second advent of Christ. He said one of the four beasts, that's the four living creatures, gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. We're not told which one of the four living creatures uh, gave uh, that uh, to the angels and the instructions, but we are uh, simply given the information uh, that one of those four living creatures did. Now remember the four living creatures are there before the throne of God day and night, and they represent the four aspects of Christ that are presented in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew presents Jesus as king, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the four living creatures. Mark presents Jesus not in contradiction, but in further explanation as the servant, because Jesus came to be servant in order that he might come again as king. And so Mark presents the servant role of Jesus. On the other hand, we have Luke presenting the humanity of Jesus, and uh, that the servant is described by the ox, uh, the living creature like the ox. And then the humanity of Jesus is symbolized with the face of a man in the four living creatures. And then we have a flying eagle, which is representative of deity. And of course, then the Gospel of John presents Jesus as God. So Matthew as king, Mark as servant, together he is the servant king, Luke as man, and John as God, he is the God-man who came to seek and to save. So I I want to identify the particular uh, living creature that is identified here, uh, uh, but we are not given any... Uh, further revelation about which one it was, just one of them came. And then we find in verse 8, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So back as I mentioned, when the tabernacle was completed in the wilderness, uh, the Spirit of God was manifest as a cloud uh, that came, a cloud of glory that came into uh, the Holy of Holies. You'll remember they were guided by the cloud by day and uh, by night by a pillar of fire. The cloud took up residence then in the Holy of Holies and then Later, when the temple itself was completed and dedicated, uh, Solomon said, I know, God, that you're too large uh, uh, to inhabit uh, a, a dwelling like we have built here, but give us a manifestation that you're here in it. And uh, uh, we had then the 
the filling of that. We've said, seen the Spirit of God in the book of Isaiah uh, as well. Uh, when Isaiah experienced his call, he said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twelve he covered it, uh, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King of kings. And so in verse 4, the we have the presence of the smoke filling the house to the temple to identify the presence of God. Here in Revelation 15.8 then, access to the temple is blocked until these seven plagues are fulfilled. Remember now, we're in the completion of the Jewish age. Remember they have reinstituted uh, uh, at that time um, the sacrificial system. They are in anticipation of the second coming, which they think would be the first advent, for they failed to recognize him in his first coming. And uh, so the temple is the focus of Jewish worship, but at three and a half years into that seven-year period, you remember the dictator of the revived Roman Empire stops their worship uh, and sets up an image of himself in the temple itself that he might be the object of worship. And so these plagues, uh, uh, no one's going to be allowed into the temple until these plagues are fulfilled. There comes a time when the judgment of God is going to be visited upon the earth. As we are examining this and seeing how it fits into where we are today and to what our uh, culture uh, is headed toward, uh, we certainly can see uh, in the daily uh, news uh, the props being placed on the stage and the actors uh, busying themselves with their rehearsal and getting their their costumes in order and trying to establish for themselves their position. There's a lot of jockeying going on in the world today that is focused upon this event itself. And uh, we certainly can see that by what we see on the news that the coming of Christ must be soon. The, the circumstances that confront us uh, are setting the stage for this judgment. Next week we'll be looking at these seven bowls of wrath 
as they are poured out then in that the final days of the tribulational period. Peter said, seeing that this is the case, what sort of persons ought we to be knowing that all of this is going to transpire? Should not be a time of fear or anguish or even despair, but rather a time of opportunity, remembering that we are here citizens of the kingdom of God, not living in our own country, but living alongside the locals to do the king's business. And it's that business that we need to be about. But of course, it all begins at salvation. Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember our calling is accompanied with our gifting. And accompanying our gifting or our circumstances, wherein God has given us opportunity to be His representative, to represent Christ until the rapture occurs. And as we identify our particular gifting, we look at the circumstances that we encounter each day, we can be sensitive to the divine appointments God has established for us. But if we're not observant, we'll miss those appointments. We'll fail to recognize the opportunity as God provides our ability and our opportunity He expects us then to be faithful as his steward.